Hello and welcome to another Revival Podcast. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stefan Tager. If it's your first time, howdy. We drop these every Tuesday because there is a Jewish tradition that Tuesday is the day of double blessing. Um, remember, you're not ever supposed to look that up because I want it to be true so bad that I don't want to verify it. Listen, I feel like one of the great gifts God gives to the world is general conference. Like the the weekend itself, I like, and I don't love a lot of talks in a row. Like that's really hard for me. But to have this bank of just like reminders and one-liners and promises and just lifestyles to live by in my, in my walk of faith, I just have... I've really loved like looking back at these and having a chance to think over them. So we do a one every week and uh, hope it becomes a, a revival for you in your uh, walk of faith. So this one, let's just jump in because the question, the of, question, the question, the title's a question and it's the question. It is the question. <laughs> like it's, it's something I think that everybody asks themselves and, and it's, um, have I truly been forgiven? And what uh, uh, I think every person is, has asked that before. And every person um, probably goes back and forth and wondering, like, what's my, what's my standing with God? And, you know, and, and I think there's, we could talk about, like, have I been forgiven in the context of person to person? But that would be a totally different episode. So we're, we're really going to just focus in on our relationship with God and, and just what this looks like. Yeah, and as a unique And I have a million questions about it that I might like <laughs> randomly drill at you throughout this, but I'm whatever, excited. But and we'll, we'll do our best to look at uh, what this talk says, what Elder uh, Natris says. How you say it? Yeah. Um, Brett <laughs> Natris. I want to say Natris. That's what I want to say. You were saying something I interrupted you about unique. You're just that, that relationship with God, I think, is unique. Or, were you say, is that yeah, what you're saying? When I, I, I think that's really important to understand that when we talk about forgiveness here, we're talking about a. there are some overlaps with forgiveness uh, in a like, human-to-human relationship, but we're talking about the divine human and what that means. Uh, he, Elder Natchez starts off with this story about this boy named Danny, and do you, do you want to sum that up for us, yeah, Dave? Yeah, I love this story. I just, I just feel like the things he asks and says are... Well, there's a couple parts of this story that I think are so awesome. So when he was a, a local church leader, I'm assuming a bishop, he's talking about one of his young men who was just good and kind and obedient and sweet hearted. And then he got involved with a, with a rougher crowd and started to get into drugs and addiction and just life destruction sort of way of living. And and anyways, he says, eventually he got to a time where he was, everything was different. And he says this, most significant change was in his eyes. Like he had just lost like light in his eyes. And, and, and then he says this, then one day his miracle began. And I actually really love that phrase to say his miracle began. Cause usually we want to talk about a miracle as a singular moment. You know, the second the water turned to wine or the, you know, sight was restored, but it's interesting to say his miracle began and later spoiler, he's going to say his miracle continues. And I, I think that's such a rad way to talk about miracles, but 
he goes to this sacrament meeting where his brother is speaking and he, and he shares a testimony and then he says this, he felt something he had not felt for a long time. He felt the love of the Lord. And finally he had hope. And I, I would just say the whole, man, I don't know where to whether to keep going with the story or just stop on moments like that, because I think that's so intriguing. Well, I'll just say this because I don't want to lose it and then I'll finish the story. But I imagine the sec that when he felt the love of the Lord, and then it says he interpreted that as hope, or it, then it spurred on hope, or whatever you want to say. I imagine his thoughts were, I didn't think that the Lord would love me anymore after what I've done. And so for God to break through that idea that he had in his head of, I'm no longer a lovable person. Like God actually isn't going to be interested in me, but he felt the love of God as a sinner. He felt the, like he didn't feel the love after he made a change. He felt the love in the place that he was. And I think that is really significant in the story, in the order of things. The the most famous Book of Mormon story about repentance and forgiveness is about Alma the Younger, obviously. And it's a story about a boy who encounters the love of God who definitely does not deserve it, who was not even seeking for it, who was not making choices to try to have it in his life. Yeah, yeah. The love of God came to him. Now, as Latter-day Saints, we believe agency plays an essential part of, of the process, but it comes after the first initiating uh, uh, exercises of grace from the divine. Yeah. And in the story, the bishop sits down with that Danny boy. <laughs> Abby was just singing the Danny boy song earlier. So but she, he sits down with them and they read that Alma chapter 36 together. And can I just say this cute part of the story too? Yeah. That he was in the middle of mowing his lawn and he just turns off the mower and goes and sits on the porch with this kid. Like... I saw this like painting a long time ago of, I think President Packer painted it, if I remember right. And it was a horse and a plow and it was left in the middle of an unfinished field. And like the title of it was the Bishop's Plow. And it just was this idea of he left what he was like doing and went, you know, and I like love seeing that mower in a half finished lawn and and sitting with that boy on the, on the porch. So, so far, we've seen two really small ways that grace broke through into the world. One was a younger brother's talk and sat. Wait, wait, what about that line you just used? It's so good that grace broke through. Oh, well, thank you. That's so good. <laughs> grace breaks through through a younger brother's sacrament meeting talk. And look, I study preaching. That's what my research is in. It's in homiletics. I'm really interested in what a good sermon is. And in our church, it's a box of chocolates every week. You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but I seriously wondered for a second, like, like how's it a box of chocolates? That's fun. You never know then, what's going to happen. But but I just love that the Lord works through uh, just simple things like a sacrament meeting talk or a mm-hmm. sitting on the front porch conversation. Yeah. And that's one of the ways... Yes. Okay. So the question, how have I truly been forgiven? This boy is starting to deal with this. And then what happens happens next, Dave? Well, that question doesn't actually come till later, which is interesting. But I want to go back and say, talk about what you just said, which is not only illustrating the story of Danny, but also I think it's rad that the story that Bishop took him to was 
that story. Yes, yeah. Of a boy forgiven, you know, a, like an un, an undeserving expression of grace and forgiveness. Like that is, um, it's awesome that that's the story he decided to share. And in the story itself of Alma, Alma says, the breakthrough moment for me is when I remembered what my dad taught about about what, what's his line? Uh, the coming of one Jesus Christ. Yes. Right? Oh, Jesus. To atone for God. the yeah. sins of the world. Right. And I was like, listen, maybe, maybe this should be some, some like uh, good advice to what we're going to choose to preach and talk about. Because I would bet that what that boy talked about in the sacrament meeting was about Jesus Christ and his forgiving and gracious and loving nature. Like, there is something about some truths are better than others. And to speak hope and to speak of these things, like right. I, they have an impact, you know, better than what we should do. I say this a lot. You've heard me say this, but we need more good news and less good advice Come on. from our pulpits, you know. Tell me the good news of the gospel. And I think that actually has an has an impact. It did on Alma. I think it did on Danny. And he shares in that story. And he actually says this to him because he says this. Um, he, I told him that once he repented, he never looked back and became a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. He became a prophet. And Danny's eyes widened. He's like, a prophet? And he says, I simply responded, yes, a prophet. No pressure on you. <laughs> but there is something about that that's uh, quite phenomenal to me. To like... Let's just say it. It's a, it's, that's a, one of the foundational books of scripture in our faith tradition. And there, and one of the most beloved stories is about a boy who... Was an apostate. Yeah, <laughs> reckless soul. He compares his sins to murder. That's <laughs> what he compares them to. There are only to. three people in the Book of Mormon who are called very wicked. And Alma the Younger is one of them. Who's the other two? Zoram of Alma 31, like the leader of the Zoramites. Oh, and he also gets to be a missionary later, okay? Does he? Oh, wait, not Zoram. I was thinking Ezram. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> and then Zoram did. <laughs> and uh, and then also Horrible. Amalekiah, the one oh. who wants to drink the blood of Moroni. Okay. So we're talking <laughs> this level. And then he becomes a, a prophet. And I just want to say, yes, I believe in a Jesus whose transforming grace is that big. Like I believe in a Jesus that would allow someone to stand up in general conference and say, I was the vilest of sinners. I, I've been through di a disciplinary, you know, action. Like I, I believe in a Jesus whose forgiveness is that big and whose grace is that big, who can take someone of that nature and and turn them and 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 still call them as a prophet. Anyways, I think that's like to tell that boy that. And to believe that is, I think, yeah, crucial to the story. Do you remember what Tim Keller says at the beginning of Prodigal God? He says, he says Jesus's message attracted sinners, outcasts, you know, what society thought was the worst of society. Yeah, and it repulsed who? The uh, religious, the rule keepers, those who are obsessive about the rules. And he said, it might say something about our churches, about who's attracted, who's, who <laughs> wants to come to our churches. And, and, and I'm not calling out any specific faith tradition in general, 
but in the messages in our own sacrament meetings, who are they attracting? Is it attracting people that need hope or is it, it's, or is it sending a different kind of message? Yeah. There's another bit of advice for what to pick, choose to speak <laughs> on. Anyways, okay, there were such rad parts of that story that it was worth stopping, but you get to that question when this boy ends up um, serving as a missionary, and uh, and then he comes back. and Well, during his mission, his mission president calls and says, what is up with this kid? Like, he's so good, you know? And then he comes home, knocks on that same door, and they sit together on that same porch again. And he says, the, Danny says, do you think I have truly been forgiven? Yeah, we have to stop. We have to stop. How is it that a kid can go to seminary, read scripture, be raised in the church, hear all these talks in sacrament meeting, serve a mission, and then ask that question? Right. What, what, what is not happening? We recently, Chad Webb, who's the head of seminaries and institutes, talked about a study that was done on a longitudinal study on why some young people are leaving the church. And he identified three reasons. And one of the reasons was because some young people just, uh, they just feel excessive guilt for their sins. Mm. How is this happening? What do they not understand? Right? Yeah. uh, There's so much at stake here. If, if people will leave the church because they can't handle the guilt anymore. And the very purpose of the church is to erase that guilt. Right. So what's happening? Or to teach you the way that guilt is right, erased, right, you know, right, yes, or to, yes. to I, teach us or who. To, yeah, to, and to reemphasize it because apparently we need the reminders, right. you know, again and again and again of that. But I don't know. It's just that's uh, what is it? I, is it? I, <laughs> and it's not. It's not a Latter Day Saint problem. No, no. You know, this is a across and, the board. It's a humanity. Am I okay? You know, am, am, I, I do, right. am I right with God? Right. You know, There's after no after what I've done. Yeah, th- it, there, there's something that might be hinted at here. In Alma 36, this verse is quoted, speaking of Alma, before he cries out in faith, it says, Yea, the very thought of coming into the presence of my God did rack my soul with inexpressible horror. So there's something about what how Alma sees God yeah. that causes him to experience inexpressible horror. Yeah. And then if you remember, Alma goes through a change and then he says, my soul did long to be there in the presence of God. And who did not change in that story? God didn't. Yeah. Alma did. And and now he saw God correctly. Yeah, his view of God actually changed. Absolutely. And he I was think given the right picture of who he really is. Absolutely. And I think that's going to help us really start to understand, have I been truly forgiven that so, question? So maybe is that somebody, if they're asking that question, are they misunderstanding the character and nature of God? That like, oh, like what's the underlying assumption underneath that? If somebody says, have I truly been forgiven? Is is the underlying assumption about like, oh, there's a limit on God's forgiveness? Or is it more about, I don't know. What do you think? I think I think underneath that, and some people may be afraid to say it, but let's just say it. Some people want to say, "What? Why does God have to forgive us? What does is He holding something against us for a while? What does that even mean?" Yeah. And I do think uh, also it's what is it? What does God care about in the repentance and forgiveness process? Yeah. I think that really says a lot about who we think. God is. Well, it's interesting because it seems like if he would, for him to ask that question 
have I truly been forgiven? I think he sees in his mind a ledger book. Right. That has a sin still on record that hasn't been taken off yet. And I don't even know what to do with that God because if the, if God is like that, where he's an umpire trying to find every single mistake we ever make and hold it against us, if that's the case, then I just, I don't understand how anyone possibly ever could even begin to understand repentance or forgiveness. And c- contrary to that picture of a nitpicky God, look what look what happens here in the story. After this boy knocks on the door and he says, have I really been forgiven? Uh, Elder Natras says, Danny, have you looked in the mirror? Have you seen your eyes? They are filled with light and you are beaming with the spirit of the Lord. Of course you have been forgiven. You are amazing. Now, what you need to do is move forward with your life. Don't look back. Look forward with faith to the next ordinance. Notice how he doesn't point out a list of checklist things that he did to get forgiveness, but he talked about his very change in nature. See, what God wants in forgiveness is not um, sort of, you you did this wrong and now you have to pay for this and you did this wrong and you have to pay for this. What he wants in forgiveness is for us to grow up, to be more mature, to develop, to be more whole, more solid, more loving of God and more loving of others. And that's the change that he's looking for. Okay, so let me ask you this. How would you define this for somebody? Because have I been forgiven makes it sound like a ledger book, God. Like, And I don't know if that's just like my own culture speaking or whatever. So how would you define what's actually happening when we say God forgave him? Like what, what, what would you say is actually like occurring? So the best I can tell is, and you know, just in my simple reading of scripture, what's happening in that moment is God is simply saying, you have made the relationship right again. Like mm. you have set things right again. And it's, it's God doesn't need to forget. God doesn't need our repentance. We need our repentance. Mm. Can I tell a 20 second story? I'll time you. Andrew, my little boy with another kid in the neighborhood, they once put like sticks and rocks and dirt on our bishop's front doorstep. And they just thought it was funny and they ran away. Well, my bishop has a like one of those, you know, ring cameras. He texts us. It's a really funny text. We're like sort of joking about it. Um, I know my bishop well. There's not a cell in his body that was bothered by this. He probably just thought it was hilarious, right? And and with the other dad, us three were just, you know, texting about it. Um, I, I go to Andrew and he's like four or five, six, some, somewhere in there at the time. And I say, Andrew you know, we know what happened. What should we do? Well, dad, we should go clean it up. And he writes the bishop a little note. Dear bishop, I am sorry. I took a picture of it. We attached a Rice Krispie treat with the package mm-hmm. on it, brought it over to the bishop's house, swept off the, you know, the doorstep. Why on earth would we do that if my bishop's not bothered by it? It's because it's, that's what's best for Andrew. The, that process taught him to be a little bit more aware of others, to see other people, to be a better human. Yeah, And yeah. so God asks us to repent, not because he's, you know, standing up in the skies, arms folded. It's because the repentance process is the very thing that causes us to grow up, to mature, to be filled with more love. Yeah. And I guess if you, you know, that's such a cute story, but I'm just thinking, okay, what if I follow that same vein of thought and, and like, okay, what if somebody looks at pornography, you know, um, at night and then we follow that same line of thinking. If I'm understanding this right, 
by doing that, what they're kind of saying is I, I'm, I actually have a disregard for other people in this world. And I have a disregard for like, for God himself, because at least to some degree, no right? Question. Because it's like, no question. you've taught me how to live and I'm disregarding that. And I actually think I know how to live better than you know how to live. I'm, I'm going to objectify your children who you care deeply about. And you know, whether someone's like thinking through this, right, like right. it's a temp, like I think they're following a temptation, right? But, but really underneath all of it, this is what's happening. And they've, and they've sort of like have a crippled relationship with other people and with, with God right now, because I mean, can I have a fulfilling, wholesome relationship with someone that I'm like, de- like deliberately disregarding their advice and counsel and, and, you know, right. Right. And so forgiveness maybe looks like, you know, just, I mean, I think an apology is part of that where someone would say like, Hey, I'm sorry that I disregarded you entirely. That was wildly rude of me. And I'm sorry for the way I treated your kids, you know? And, and I, and I actually want to, I want to listen to you and I want to live better and I want to live the way that you told me and I want to love people well. And, you know, I, I that's making the relationship right. Right. Yeah. It, and I think that's what repentance and forgiveness is. It's reconciliation. It's saying we're reconcile the relationship. Right. We're reconciling yeah. the relationship. And if sin seems, if commandments seem arbitrary, then sin doesn't seem that bad. But if you frame it the way you just framed it, how is this hurting God or how is this disrespectful to God is a better way to say it. How is this hurting others? Then I can say, oh, repentance is the way that I get back on track in my relationship with God and with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I went, um, someone once framed it like this, where you don't break commandments, but you, do, you can break his heart, you know, mm-hmm. that he sees it and he's like, oh, breaks my heart to see that happening, to see you living like that and, you know, and... Anyways, but to be, be brought back together, I can't, I can't think of a single father or mother who's, who's at least have some sense of like sanity about them, Yeah, <laughs> who doesn't want a relationship reconciled with their kids. Like, that's just like, there are, that's, it's in the, it's in the DNA of a, of a parent to like, I want a relationship reconciled. And I think for Danny, to ask the question, have I been forgiven? I think really, I don't know. We'd have to ask Danny. He probably has that ledger book view of God. And it's like, you actually have to be taught a different kind of God. And, and, and this is, you don't have a transactional relationship with him. You have a father son relationship with him and maybe that would help. Yeah. And I think the question sort of melts when I have the proper view of God, have I truly been forgiven? The question then becomes, what's my relationship with God like right now, today, and the next day? And then the phrase daily repentance starts to make sense. I'm daily getting closer to God, taking up his lifestyle, his commandments, his way of being in the world more and more and more. I, I, someone can tell right away, do you have a good relationship with that person or do I not? Right. And if things are set right Things are been if, if things are honest and wrongs have been corrected and I've confessed and I've been honest and truthful, then I can start to know like oh yeah the relationship is reconciling yeah you know oh it's such a sweeter way to to see the world to see well we have an issue with um, scrupulosity and I think that's 
all faith traditions do, conservative mm-hmm. ones particularly. And I think that comes to someone just you have the wrong view of who God is and what he cares about. And I, I don't want to, that to come across wrong because surely he cares about all of humanity and he cares about how we treat each other and he cares about, you know, injustice and, and all of those things. But it's a, uh, you know, he actually starts his talk with a story that's so cute. And at first I was like, I don't really think that has anything to do with the talk. I think he just really liked the story. I wanted to tell it, but it's so darling about, you know, his kids coming to visit him at work and his daughter left a little post-it note and it's it, this is what it said on it. Dad, remember to love me, love Michelle. And as a dad, I just want to say like, oh, darling, it's impossible to forget to love you. And when you can see our relationship with God in that same context and window, it's like, oh, it makes sense. It makes sense that you can now say boldly and assuredly, there's always hope, there's always healing, and there's always a way back. Yeah. There's no way that Jesus would go to the cross Mm. and then also be the kind of God that's nitpicky and umpire trying to get us. Right. He he's he's about heart, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, one that's open to God and to others. And that's how someone can know if they've truly been forgiven. Oh. Have they been set right with God and others? That's the good news. And that's the story we gotta tell more. And that's the hope that we have to give people and preach from our pulpits and on our front porches. Because understanding that about him is I think really is what gonna it's 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 what will actually heal from porches to pulpits that's revival come on baby (laughs) all right see you next week